0: We'll turn now in God's holy words to 1st John, 1st John, 1st epistle of John. We're going to be looking at chapter 1 and in chapter 1 we're going to be looking specifically this morning at one verse, verse Five, verse 5, under this title, the light of the glorious gospel message declared. The light of the glorious gospel message declared. Now while we're just looking at one verse here this morning, there is so much gospel, biblical truth contained within this fifth verse this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. It's all about to know the gospel message. Now we can present the gospel in many ways and often it does get presented this way in a lot of the western world. Often we present the gospel in this way. Here is the way to avoid hell. Hell. Now it is the way to avoid hell. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But it is not just some mere mechanical means to an end. The gospel presents us not just a way. It presents us a person. It presents us with the being of almighty God and who he is. He's not just a Something when we're in trouble. And yes, it is when we're in trouble, but it's more than that. It is the God of glory himself presented before us. He is light and he challenges darkness. And dear friends, we have lights in this building here this morning, don't we? And when you turn on the light in a building, does darkness stand any chance? The darkness has fled into the corner's Of the room. The darkness. Are all those who claim to be God. But the true and living God. He is light. Before we read chapter 1. Of this chapter. Boys and girls. I just want to talk to you for a few minutes. Boys and girls. I want to ask you a question. Are any of you afraid of the dark? Are any of you afraid of the dark? You say no I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm too big for that. Now, it's possible that there are bigger people who are too afraid of the dark. You know, it's possible you don't have to be a child to be afraid of the dark. The dark's a bit scary, isn't it? Do you ever have a time the lights go out and you're thinking, did I hear a vo- Did I hear something? What's that? Is there something under the bed? Could it be a mouse? If you're afraid of mice, could it be? Another big spider. We get big spiders in our house. Very big spiders. But what happens when the light gets turned on? Maybe you're afraid of the dark. And you're a bit scared. And you cry out for mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy puts on the light. What happens? Is there something scary there? Usually there's not, is there? Usually it's like, oh, that's not scary. That's fine. Normally there's nothing scary. The light brings what? Safety. We feel safe, don't we, when the light's on. And we feel afraid when the light's off. It's safer to walk in the light, isn't it? If you're walking through a forest, is it better to have a flashlight? And it's dark at night. The flashlight, you need that flashlight. You feel safer in the light. What does light bring, boys and girls? It brings comfort, doesn't it? We feel better when it's light out. It? When we see the sun out, we feel happier. There is comfort in that light, there's relief. i will ask you another question, boys and girls. Have you ever had a bad dream? Ever had a bad dream? I bet you have. And you know what, when you're, when you're older you have bad dreams too. I still have a few sometimes. And you wake up and you're in a dark room and you're saying, mommy, daddy, or you're crying out to somebody. And it's a dark room. They turn on the light and they give you a big hug. And you feel better? You probably feel a lot better after. Light brings comfort. Showing us there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of. But darkness, sin is a real nightmare. It really is. God is the true light and he shows us our sin when we turn on the light god shows us our sin and he shows us the nightmare of the darkness we are to run away from and to look to jesus christ for he is that light so first john chapter 1 we're going to read now god's holy and infallible word first john chapter 1 we're going to read all of this chapter that which was from the beginning And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his, tr- and his word is not in us. So may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Again, that verse that we're going to be looking at here this morning, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. Last week, in last week's message, we were looking at the opening of this letter. The opening of this letter, which really summarizes the book, this whole letter of John. And it could really be summarized maybe in verse four. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. There was a purpose to it. And there was the purpose that if anyone is going through the the darkness or the gloom or the nightmare, that is, you're not sure if you are saved. That light, comfort, would be brought to the true believer who truly belongs to Jesus Christ. The light of the gospel dispels darkness. We turn on the light in the room. Who wins? Does the darkness win or does the light win? The light. We turn on these lights and the darkness flees away. And this is light, dear friends, we all need. The gospel's light. It is the light of God himself who is light. The danger is sometimes we think, well, you know what? I remember getting saved when I was five or six. Or I remember getting saved at a meeting when I was 18. I have moved on from these things. Dear friends, we never move on from the gospel. We deepen as we grow our appreciation for the gospel. Because the gospel is the message that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. There's nothing deeper than this message. It is not some mere method, as we said earlier. It is not some, could I say, some spiritual vaccine, and then you just forget about it and never think about it again. The danger is we sometimes treat the gospel that it is just in case hell is real, we're going to do this. The gospel is a person, it is the pure being of God being told and showed to us. It presents us, God, as he is. And dear friends, when the light shines from God, we see ourselves as we truly are, only in that light. Without that light, we cannot see anything. So this morning, we're going to consider uh, this verse under four headings. And the first heading is this, its source, its source. Uh, the source matters. If you ever look at a river and you look along the river, the river might be clean all the way up, but the source of that river is vitally important. If, if the, the source is anyway contaminated, the entire river is contaminated. Where is it coming from? It is coming from a pure, good and holy source. It says in verse 5 this is the message which we have heard from him. From him, and declare to you. Now, you get up in the morning during the week and you get your mail. And I say the speed in which you open those letters often d- depends on where that mail comes from. If it looks like another bill, you might leave it on. You might leave it on the side for a few hours before you actually open it. But if it's a letter from a loved one, somebody you care about, somebody you can't wait to hear from, you open it immediately, don't you? How quick do we open that message? Because we're excited for what that message says because of the source of the message, where it's coming from. And what we think that message will say to us, a message of encouragement. This is a message from Christ. It is a message from the Son of God. It is a message from Him who is light Himself. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you. It came from Christ. And and the way John is describing it, it says, We, a number of times. It appears that He's speaking about Himself and the other apostles. And the apostles, we can often forget, were preachers. They were preachers and they had this message to them and they announced it they announced it as it was given to them now this word we have here this is the message message is the word angelia angelia and it's very similar to the word we get get the word angel angelos and an angel was really a messenger a messenger sometimes we get these pictures in the heads of angels with wings and different things like that. An angel was essentially a messenger with an important message from God himself. He came to declare or announce something. And this word, "angelia" really has an idea of this is the announcement. This is the promise of God. This is what is to be declared because of who it comes from. It comes from God. This message is very important because it is the difference between eternal life and eternal death. We often hear that phrase, don't we? It's the life and death situation, things like this. Well, this is the difference between eternal life and eternal death. Between eternal light and eternal darkness. What would we do if we had important news from the hospital? A message from, we may hear news of a diagnosis if we're sick. We immediately, we would want to hear that information. We would value that information. We would wish to apply the medicine it would tell us to take. That way we would be hopefully healed. But here's a message with healing that is infallible. For all who will look to that light. For all who will look to the physician. The physician. Of our souls. The one who heals. This is the same message Christ preached. That heals souls today. And yes souls. Our souls. Now one day our bodies will be resurrected in the future. Yes. But our spiritual life. We need that medicine because of who it comes from. I remember years ago giving out tracts to, in, a, in a town in Northern Ireland. And I was giving out tracts and there was a young man and he said he was a Christian. And he seemed to shrug his shoulders. He didn't seem to have much interest in me talking to him about the gospel. And I remember, still remember him saying this to me. I've taken care of that. I was almost like, get away from me, you're annoying me now. I also remember another time with a go team another part of Northern Ireland as well. And most people on the doors, when you knock on the doors, are very polite. But I remember this one person said, I have a church. I'm fine down the road. And I remember just saying to him, trying to be very friendly, just saying, Christians are usually happy to see the gospel going out. Needless to say, I was concerned for both of these people. Sometimes we can think that the gospel is just that initial point, And I'm done with it after that. We should be excited to meet Christians no matter where they come from. But this message is so precious. It's not just a means to an end. It is not just a means to an end. We need this message. You may be saved 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You may be saved 10 minutes. You will never outgrow your need for this message because of where it comes from, because of the source of this message, because of the healing properties of this message, because of the light of this message. We need to love this message more today than on the day we were first saved. That's right. You know, if you've come out of a non-church background and you, you come to know the Lord, it can be a lot of euphoria, a lot of happiness. But we should love the gospel more today than we did five years ago, than we did 10 years ago, than we did at first coming to know the Lord, to love him and to love his message because the source is the source of all life. Number two now. So we've looked at its source. Now we're gonna look at its sender. Messages have to be sent. And um, recently in the news, there's a lot about postal strikes and different things like that. The messages need to be sent out. They need to be delivered. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, which we announce to you. I was reading, there was another translation, it was from another language this morning, and the way it translated was like this: "This is the announcement which we have heard from him, and announce to you." This is kind of almost a sense of. It. The message is to be delivered. It's incredibly comforting to us. It's a glorious uh, way of being comforted and healed and, and restored. It's, the gospel is healing balm to our souls. Now, while we can undervalue the message like I spoke about earlier, and we can, we all do it at times, there's a serious risk as well of undervaluing the way it is sent out. It is a kingly source. It is a kingly subject. It is kingly information. And this information concerns him. So when we go out with the message, we're going out to tell the world God is. We're telling the world, essentially, who God is. People have all these views of who God is. And they're usually idols. And when we come to this, we have to be careful, don't we, to represent Him as He truly is. We think of the third commandment. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And that's all about not having any falsehoods attached to who God is. Who is God? The infinite one, the all-powerful one, the one in whom all life depends. We are to declare him to others. Now, there's a special sense in which here, the apostles were sent out and were sent in a very special way. There's also another sense in which ministers of the gospel ministers of word and sacrament are to be set apart and that is a calling by God. As it says here, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Paul is not coming to them in his own authority and dear friends, I cannot come to you today in my own authority. I don't have any authority of myself. It comes alone from God. It says in First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine, uh, and God has appointed these. God has appointed these in the church: first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Then after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. And then he asks the question. Paul writes this: Are all apostles? They clearly are not all apostles at that time. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? They were not. These are appointed by God. The declaration, the preaching of the gospel is not just another job. It is not just, I don't know if I would like this or this. It is for those called and set apart by God. I remember reading something that was really wonderful about this congregation. This congregation has produced more preachers than any other congregation within our denomination. It's an amazing fact. And it is my prayer over the length of time that the Lord preserve me and leave me here. That he may continue to raise up men from within this congregation in the future once more. God is able. God sends God raises up people. God equips them. And God makes them messengers. Now it's first of all about obedience to God. But this message of the gospel. It needs to get out. It needs to get out. It says, says this in Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying. All. Authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. To observe all things. To teach all nations. That includes everybody. That includes the people with the Protestant background, and the non-Protestant background. It includes the people who have no exposure to the Bible whatsoever, wherever the opportunities are there. You may not be a preacher. You may not be called to that capacity. But when you go out with this message, this message of who God is, that God is light, you're not alone. He will not leave you by yourself. It says this in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Then in verse 18, it says this. But you know him for he dwells in you and will be in you and will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Dear friends, the Holy Spirit is with you those times. Maybe you're at work. Maybe you're having a chat, casual chat. Maybe you have an opportunity to share the gospel. There is a wonderful opportunity there. The Spirit of God is there with you. He will not abandon you. He will not abandon you. So, we've looked at its source, its sender. Now we're going to look at its simplicity. Its simplicity. And this is the message itself, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. In him is no darkness at all. Now in the original language, there is a sense of which in him is no darkness at all is a double negative. A double negative. We can't say that's in English. Um, In him there's no darkness not. We can't say that in English. But in Greek that's got the idea of real emphasis. It is denying in the strongest possible sense that there's any darkness in God at all. Now when I say it's simplicity, what do I mean? Do I mean that the message of the gospel is simple? There's a a degree to which it is. It is a simple message. Look to Jesus Christ. Flee from your sin and trust him and him alone. But this is not what I mean here. By its simplicity, we present God. And we present a God who is simple. What do I mean by that? Yes, a simple message, but not what I mean. God is not made up of parts. Our God is not made up of parts. It says it in our verse here. He's light and there's no darkness at all. He's not made up of a part of light. And a part of darkness. Mixed together. That would be what we call complex. Things mixed together. He is not made up of. Part wisdom and part not wisdom. He is pure wisdom. He is not made up of. Part goodness and part not goodness. Pure goodness in all that He is. In anything we can think of, He is pure. There's no sense in which He changes. Our God is not made up of parts, He's not a mixture of God and something else. And you might say, well, why is this important? And it is very important to how we think of God. Some of the old reformers would have put it this way. All that is in God is God. All that is in God is God. He is pure light. He is pure truth. He is pure power. He is pure glory. He's also been described this way. Pure act. Put it this way. God cannot be any more loving than he is God is love so this is what we mean by God is simple and it says it this way in our Westminster confession of faith that our God is without parts. and this is wonderful as we look at this text because this light of God will never diminish it can never get greater because it is perfect It is not mixed in any way. It will will never be diminished. Irenaeus was an early church father. He lived a little bit after the death of the last apostles. and, And he lived around the second century BC. He said this about God. He is simple. Uncompounded being without diverse members. Altogether like and equal to himself. Since he is holy intelligence, and that's completely, and holy reason, and holy hearing, and holy seeing, and holy light, and holy source of all that is good, even as the religious and pious are wont to speak concerning God. And this was very important when Irenaeus was dealing with people who were challenging the faith in and around the second century. He found it very important to to put before different groups. Here's who God is. He's not like us. He is pure wisdom, pure seeing, pure light, and nothing to tarnish him in any way, shape, or form. And because he is simple, he cannot change. Isn't that wonderful? When we think of the promises of God, when we look at those promises, God cannot deny himself in any way. His promises are true, yea and amen, in Jesus Christ. It says this in James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation. Or shadow of turning. Now we're mere creatures. Our understanding of the infinite God is so limited, isn't it? He comes down to us and speaks to us almost like adults would speak to a child, simplifying things, speaking in creaturely language so that we, but mere dust, can begin to see some of the wonderfulness of who He is. This is what our confession of faith says in chapter 2. There is but one living and true God. Who is infinite in being. And perfection. A most pure spirit. Invisible. Without body. Parts or passions. Without body. Part or passions. It's not just that he doesn't have a body. It's more than that. It is that God is pure In all that he is. This is who he is. And this is the gospel message. And this is what we declare to the world. It's a glorious message. Because of whom it speaks about. Now we may struggle in this area. We may struggle to wrap our minds around it. (coughs) But here's one illustration. That might be able to help you. I remember uh, myself and my wife. We often watch these cooking programs. And there's this top chef in Mexico and he's got one of his signature dishes and it's basically two different sauces really the same sauce but different ages on the sauce and everybody loves it and they dip into it and you think only two elements on the plate really you could probably think it's just one sauce that sounds a little bit boring doesn't it we probably think that one thing on the plate just the sauce sounds kind of boring now, you're also probably thinking, that element, it must be amazing. If it's not amazing, well, we're going to get bored very, very quickly. If you think of food, chicken, salt helps it taste better. Bread needs butter, and it tastes better. We all need things to go together But God is different than us. He is complete in and of himself. Glorious by himself in need of nothing else at all. Completely different to us. It says this in Psalm 34 verse 8. Oh taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Because if you taste and see that the Lord is good, he satisfies. You come back for more. The the world's food, you could say, we get bored of. We want to change. Imagine eating the same food all the time. Kind of go, oh, I need to eat something different today. But not with God. The more we taste and see of God, the more satisfied we are. And we come back for more. We come back for more. This is our God. This is the gospel. That God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Our final point it's salvation. It's salvation. So we've looked at its source, its sender, its simplicity, and finally, number four, it's salvation. It's salvation. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. This is the message that saves. Remember, boys and girls, we talked about earlier—that bad dream, that nightmare you have, and seeking safety. Where does the safety come? Does it come from darkness, or does it come from light? You feel safe, don't you, when the light is turned back on, and you have—you're in the comfort of your parents your mom your daddy is there to help you to feel better we have that sense, though, when we have that bad dream or whatever else it is rescue me help me we want to run away we want to run away to where there is light and our sin our sin is darkness we're not like God we're not pure light. By nature, actually, what, what, what do we love by nature? Do we love the light by nature? By nature, we love darkness. And it seems so strange, doesn't it? By nature, we love darkness? Really? Well, this is our hearts without the grace of God. John 3.19 And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Do you love this light? Because if you love this light, then you love the gospel. See, in effect, dear friends, to love the gospel is to love God. And the more you love the light that God brings in our lives, shining a light in the dark place, the more we love God, the more we will love God. The gospel. You see how these things are all connected, because the gospel is not just a means to an end. It is presenting a person, a glorious being, a glorious Saviour, a glorious redeemer, a glorious power, the power upon which all life depends. And this is the light. That's the this, this light of God. We see darkness in our nightmares. We run from it. And we ought to run from darkness, spiritual darkness, not embrace it. The world loves darkness. And this is why it is also more and more in love with things that are destructive. Our hearts be filled with darkness and just like anything dark it can be scary There's, sometimes we think of scary things in dark places our hearts are scary places our thoughts can be scary places we ought to fear our own hearts because by nature our own hearts are not to be trusted it says this in Jeremiah seventeen nine: the heart is deceitful above all things And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now light is such a valuable thing. And I think sometimes. We can take light for granted. Especially in this part of the world. We have so much gospel light in this part of the world. We can take it for granted. I remember I was watching kind of a documentary. A while back. And it was about Northern Sweden and in the north of Sweden there are periods of time when there is no sunrise at all no sunrise at all and it's called the polar night and during the darkest time of the year sometimes you'd only get an hour of sunlight imagine that one hour of sunlight a day the sun barely coming above the horizon Do you think the people in that part of the world value light? They do. They try to get out into the sunshine. Get out for that hour, that little bit of time that they can see that light at a time of year when there's great darkness. Glimpses of light. Rescuing us from the darkness. And coming is a day dear friends when all who love this light. We but see glimpses in this world. We always see glimpses of the light. But we will see it in its fullness. In the world to come. The enjoyment of that light. The darkness of the sin of the world will fade. One day we will say goodbye to it. If we're in Jesus Christ. If we've looked toward that light. If we truly love the light who is God we one day say goodbye to the darkness of this world. And that's why we share the gospel. So that other people would not face eternal damnation. Would not face eternal hell. Would not face eternal wrath of God. The just eternal wrath of God. So that they, through the gospel message, may embrace that God who is light. And in him there is no darkness At all. And embracing him. They may have this glorious future ahead. It says in Romans 8. Moreover whom he predestined. These he also called. And whom he called. These he also justified. And whom he justified. These he also glorified. Dear friends. There's glorious light ahead. Maybe going through difficult times. But if you're looking to Jesus. The author and finisher of your faith. Look ahead. Look to the future. Is the the future not glorious? Is the future not wonderful? It is absolutely wonderful. Glorification of this. The glory. The splendor. The light of God. We all have to look forward to. Amen.